I feel like going for some really early solo break with the level of competition that's here is a dumb move. Uh, I don't think there's, I, I don't think there's any way to stay away from Keegan. And I mean, honestly, if I end up solo, it's probably going to be in, you know, off the back, not off the front. What up, party people? This week's show is a little bit different than usual because our homeboy, Scotty McGee, is headed to Worlds. So the first half of the show is us catching up with him before he boarded his flight to the land of the Oz. Then Dylan and I sat down with the Schwamigan reigning women's champion, Melissa Rollins, to talk all things Schwamigan. We're out here. It's the Lifetime Grand Prix Stage 5. Let's get this Bonk Pros party started. Talk about Worlds. And what then we'll talk about did you get? I, Dude, we were just riding the Schwamingen course, and then we rode the road back, and we got the KOM on our mountain bikes at Zone Two. Yeah, were, there was like this, uh, just like highway road to get, yeah, to get back home. We, yeah. All right, we don't have enough time to talk about KOMs though, because you got twelve minutes before you go. Oh, no, dude! So that's what it's we till the boarding we starts. Until the boarding yeah. starts. Okay, so we yeah, have exactly, time. Yeah. What are you in like Group Eight? Dude, like Scott, just can you pretend? Just pretend you're like drinking some water. There you go. Well, I don't have to. I just don't want to get COVID. That would suck. <laughs> yeah. to get COVID right that would now. suck. That's a good call. But I'm like standing <laughs> out. Right. Okay. Hey, so do you do you want to talk worlds first? You want to talk about this bike race you won this weekend? I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, tell us about the race you won this weekend. Uh. What do you guys know about it? I don't know anything about it. Dude, All I know is that it was raining and yeah. it was a sprint. Uh, yeah, finish. it was pissing rain and somehow it was still a sprint finish. I don't know how. Uh, it's called the Bucks County Classic. It's like a it's like a pretty big crit. Like me and Noah were there, and Legion had like four guys. Like CS Velo was there. Project Echelon had a yeah. couple guys, and then like a couple other random dudes, like Tom Gibbons. And, so it's like a, I don't know, it's like a, the it was like the last race of the year, um, last crit of the year, and it was like pissing rain. It was pretty technical course too. So I don't know how it ended in a sprint because we were trying to make it a break the whole race, but then it was like a little uphill sprint, which is like ideal for me. By we, you mean you were trying to also make it a yeah a break? Yeah. I'm not just gonna sit in. I'm gonna race. <laughs> So, so it was hard the whole time? Like, the pace was high? Yeah, it was pretty hard. I mean, I think, like, 30 guys finished out of, like, 80 or something. Like, 30 guys okay. made it on the lead lap. So that's pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, um, so you said it was uphill sprint to the finish. But you, it looked like from the photos, like, you won by a lot. Probably, like, a bike length or two. Yeah, I mean... Oh, okay. It looked like you had like ten meters on the on the guy behind. I don't you. think it was that much, but yeah, it was uphill. Okay. I, mean, I got like a like the best lead out I could get from my teammate Noah, and then sprinting. So it was like pretty ideal. And it was, and it was uphill. uphill, so it's like a little like the course is like pretty long lap, and there's a lot of turns, and then it's like a drag, and then it kicks up at the end. So it's like ideal for me. That is the perfect place yeah. for you. Yeah. 
And that was the last stop of the like uh, USA um, crits. No, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't even in the. I think that's called like the ACC. It wasn't even in that American Crit yeah. Cup. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. No, it's just a, it's just a one day crit. And there was a there was a crit the weekend before in Winston Salem that was also like just a random crit, not part of any series. That some guys did both. Okay. So they drove from Winston Salem, North Carolina. To Doylestown, Pennsylvania, overnight. Overnight, but I didn't do that. Obviously, I just drove up from my <laughs> yeah. house. It's like two hours away. Nice, gotcha. All right, so um, why don't you tell everyone where you're going now? Australia. Why? For the world. <laughs> For the world. <laughs> yeah, dude, Scott's going to worlds, baby. Let's go. Yeah. Probably gonna get dropped. Yeah, uh, dude. So. <laughs> dude so all right so this world's course like is it a good course for you or like what's it look like uh it's like so like we start up the coast then we go down and then we do like a 6k climb or 8k climb it's like 30k in mm-hmm. so hopefully the break will be gone by then and we'll just putz our way up it and it won't be that hard but i mean it could be hard up that climb um and then we like come down and do either 12 or 15 laps of like a circuit. And there's a 1K climb at 9% every lap. So it's like pretty hard. Yeah. So you're hoping that a break goes up the road, but then you guys eventually will bring the break back? Yeah. I mean, a break's going to go. But if it goes on the climb, the, the riders and the break will have to be strong because they went on the climb, right? Yeah. Because they, sure. they were able to break away on the climb. So, ideally, right. the big nations will want the break to go early so that it's weaker riders, so it's easier to control the race. That makes yeah. sense. Okay. Yeah, I got gotcha. Like It depends on how the circuit they're really raced. Like, if it's an easy race, maybe I can survive longer. But if it's, like, raced full gas, it's going to be pretty hard. I mean, it's pretty hard. It's, it seems like all the World Championship courses are like this, too. Like... Like a race that almost anybody could win. Like if you're a sprinter and you really work on your climbing and endurance, you could try to get over the climb. But if you're a climber, you can like try and make the race as hard as possible and and win that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that makes sense for a world championship. Yeah, it, it does make sense. Yeah, anybody could win. You know, instead of just like a a course that's like a pure climber's course or a pure sprinter's yeah, course. It, yeah, it does make sense. But I think that's the way they're going with all of them, or at least the last, like, five years. Yeah. So have they finalized the U.S. men's, like, elite team yet? I think so. Because uh, Dylan was just saying that uh, it sounded like Lawson Craddock was having some issues getting his visa approved. I think that should be good. I mean, because I also had, like, like, I didn't even know I needed a visa. Because I, I went to Australia before, and, like, I don't remember it being that big of a deal. Yeah, I did Sun Tour. Oh, okay, yeah. And, I do remember that, yeah. actually. And it was, like, I don't remember it being a big deal, but, I don't know, maybe it was easy. And then we're supposed to get the special visa, and, like, I didn't even know that until, like, two days ago. But then, they, they the, like, somebody wrote, like, an official letter... And you just submit it with that, and it gets like rushed. Like normally, it's did you it says it 
Oh, you didn't have to use like a express service? Yeah, normally it says it takes like over 90 days to get this, and I got it like 24 hours. Yeah, when I when I raced across in China a few years ago, I had to get a visa in like a week. And I had to use some like express visa service that looked super sketchy, but it it like worked and it showed up. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. But I think I have I think I have the right visa, I mean, I guess. <laughs> Hopefully. I mean, it only matters if you like actually make money, I think, so. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah, that, I don't think they they don't even pay out worlds, do they? I have no idea. And if they do, you won't see it for like a couple of years. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like any UCI race, you don't see the money for like a year, at least at road. Why? Because it goes it goes into like some account, and then they take they tax it, and then they take a, a fee for doping control, and they take this other fee, and then it gets distributed to the team, and then it gets split up to each rider. So then, by the time you actually get it, it's like not that much money. Whenever I've gotten uh, money at UCI cross races, it, they just give me a check, like on the yeah, spot. Yeah, for cross, yeah, yeah. But for mm-hmm. road, it's different. I don't know why. Okay, yeah, kind of weird. All right. Um, so, I guess big news with the men's team this past week was that Keegan Swenson is going to be on the the world's road team. Uh, which I guess is big news because he's not a road racer and he's going to road worlds. Um, I mean, he, so he's obviously been so dominant this year in the lifetime series and really any American race that he does, it's, it's like, you know, it's like he's sandbagging um, (laughs) the lifetime series, but like, what do you think his odds are at world championships? And it not, this is not just like a world championship race, but it's a world championship race in a discipline that he's not used to racing. Are you asking me? Yes, I'm asking you. <laughs> Dude, you're the expert in road on this podcast. On this podcast. Remember <laughs> to remember. <laughs> um I mean, his odds of, like, doing well are probably, like, not great. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's not worth going. Does that make sense? Like, sure. Yeah, like, you were, so, like, you were talking about the, like, if a break went on that climb, uh, it'd be filled with strong riders. Like, I feel like if he were going to do well, like, that'd probably be his, his chance, right? To, like, make that, if there was a, break that went up the road on that climb i think he's maybe got enough fitness to to make it into that front selection i mean i don't know i don't know anything but, about this guy i don't know him i don't know any <laughs> all i know is he's like strong as fuck and does wins all these mountain bike races and shit so his, sure. his best chances are probably to go in the breakaway because he can just put down you know push on the pedals all day and right then he won't be dealing like his weakness is probably positioning in the peloton and moving throughout the peloton and saving energy in the peloton. But if you're in a breakaway of 10 riders, that's like yeah, exactly. a gravel race, except faster because they're on road bikes. Right. And like, like he's obviously super talented skills wise off road. It's different. But like skills on the road is completely yeah, it's, different. It's like not, yeah. You can't just like bunny hop and like, you know, skirt your way around the Peloton. Like you've got to know how to like squeeze gaps and uh, you know, like time your moves and 
Yeah, it's 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 a lot like, different. Even if it, that break doesn't make it to the line, if they get caught, he's going to save so much energy, and he's obviously got like the endurance and the depth to be able to push sure. the pedals for six hours like that. So that's what yeah. I would say. Is yeah. that, I mean, but I'm not the I'm not the director or. How long is the is the two hundred and sixty k, like one hundred and sixty miles? Whoa, you're like you're like the only American that I know that exclusively thinks in kilometers, not miles. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what the that's what they publish it in. <laughs> it's like when every race is yeah. on, and like all the stem sheets are in kilometers and shit. So yeah, but like, yeah, dude, even when we're going for like a training ride down in Brevard, you're like, oh yeah, I rode like you know 120 k. <laughs> Makes you feel like you rode farther. It's true. I guess, yeah. Yeah. Dude, so I don't know how fucking Keegan got the exemption to go. Or he can do this race this weekend and then fly. I would have much rather done that. Yeah, dude, you should have just told him that you wanted to win Schwam again. Or just say, I don't want to go to Australia and get there nine days before the race. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure that they, I'm sure they asked him to go. Right. And he was like, ah, like I'm really, I'm really gunning for the lifetime series. And they're like, well, what if we let you go to Schwam again? And then you come to worlds. And he was like, yeah, all right. Yeah, I wonder if he, uh, if he like thought about this a lot, like, cause the petition date was due like on in August, like 18th or something. No, dude, he didn't think about this. Like, they, this was definitely a last-minute pick because, because uh, what's his name? Brandon McNulty can't go. Yeah, but they had, like, I was the reserve when I, I petitioned for it, and I was a reserve. Okay. And then I know of other riders who were saw all the people not going and were inquiring about it and said, because you didn't petition, you can't go. You think that they weren't Keegan Swenson, though? Dude, you think that Keegan Swenson would petition to go to Road Worlds? Yeah. Like, why would he do that? I'm pretty sure he got asked. I, I well, wouldn't be surprised because you know, there's all these talks of him going to the World Tour, all this shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's well, one of the only... Yeah, we know that... The Worlds is the only race you can do without being, like, signed to a team. Like, the big road race you can do without being yeah. signed to a team, you know, because you're racing for your nation. Yeah, that's what I was going to yeah. say. I bet some of the World Tour teams probably put the position in for him. Yeah. I mean, it does, it's not hard to fill out. Maybe this is like the test. Yeah. Also, I wouldn't believe anything that, like, Bella News. What they write about me is, like, total fucking bullshit. <laughs> what, what do they write about you? What do they write about you, man? <laughs> what came out the other day was like, the title was, like, Scott McGill in talks with human powered health. Or something. <laughs> I told the guy on the phone, I was like, I don't have a contract yet. And I was like, I said, I talked to Jonas at Maryland. Like, I I spoke to him. Not about, any, like, we just talked about random shit. And, the, and, the, and then the article's like, in talks, like, I'm in, like, negotiations or some shit like that. <laughs> you should have just told him you're racing gravel next year. Yeah. I was like, even I was like, you might have on to. the phone. I was like, I gotta be careful what I say to these, like, to a journalist because they're gonna like twist my words, like they always do. Dude, dude, you see all these, you see all these articles that they put out about, like, you know, like something that like Remco said Don't or like fake. something that it's all bullshit. Yeah, dude, and then you read like the headline is like is like Remco has no respect for. Or like Mercs or something, and then you read the article, and it's like completely not what the headline said. Yeah, you, you actually read the quote, and it's like 
Like, yeah, I, I talked to the guy. Like, I talked to a bunch of people. I'm not in yeah, talks with anybody. The worst is like half of it is behind a paywall, so you can't even get that far into the article to like. Yeah, so all you get is a clickbait, right? (laughs) So yeah, this paywall thing. Why can't they just put ads in the fucking thing? Like, I'd much rather scroll through an ad or have a pop up so I can at least read it. You'll probably make more (laughs) money off that anyway. Yeah. Bullshit. I need to do that on my YouTube channel. I need a really clickbait thumbnail and then, and then just be like, you can't watch the video unless you pay me. Can you even do that on YouTube? I don't think so. No. Yeah, I don't know. You'd probably have to like send it to a private site or something. Mm-hmm. So did you guys ride the whole course today? Uh, we rode the first half. We're going to save our Schwamigan talk for when you're not here because we know you got limited what time. What if I, what if I, want I don't to know. Are we, not, are we done talking about worlds or you have more to talk about worlds? There's a real, how about, how about we, okay. We've been talking about the Americans and how they're going to do it worlds, but in reality, the Americans are probably not going to win. So like, do you have predictions for who's actually going to win this thing? No, I don't make predictions. <laughs> you gotta keep that door open. <laughs> I don't. I, it could be anybody. I don't know. Yeah, with a course like that, like, like who, what, what Scott, you're like Scott, you're like the anti podcaster. <laughs> I'm like trying to throw you a question, and you're like, nah. Like, what are like what are some yeah. of the <laughs> what are the, some of the strongest <laughs> nations right now? Like Belgium. Um, Denmark would be strong, but like Mads Pedersen has been going. They still have a fucking good team. I don't know who's go. The French. I don't know, maybe. What about the Aussies? Yeah, the Aussies. Yeah, Michael Matthews is probably their favorite. Uh, one of the favorites. Yeah. Um, that's all I can think of right now. But, but then there's yeah. Michael Matthews going to be okay on a nine percent climb fifteen times in a row. Yeah, dude. You see the stage in the Tour de France one. I guess that's true. He's actually a decent climber for a sprinter. He's a good call. He's fucking good at climbing. Yeah, like, <laughs> like good, yeah. You'd be surprised how well these sprinters can climb. That's what I would have think thought about you, but you haven't lived up to that the climbing? yet. Climbing, <laughs> dude. I just won an uphill finish. Dude, yeah. <laughs> if you go sprinting, dude, if you were here at Schwam again, this is actually like the perfect mountain bike race for you. It's probably going to be a sprint finish. Dude, I kind of hate mountain bike racing now. It Why? just sucks. <laughs> well, like wait, the whole dude. time I'm like doing the race, I'm like I'd much rather just be like chilling on this trail, like riding by pace, by you know, like whatever. Like it's not fun to race on mountain bike trail. Fun to ride them. Well, then. Huh? Yeah, I mean, this course isn't on mountain bike trails. It's on cross-country ski oh. trails. Scott, what, Scott, what's more fun, racing 200 miles on a gravel bike in the middle of Kansas or racing a mountain, a mountain bike? bike? But that's not like a competition. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't so we got, so what you're saying basically is that riding on a trail is for leisure and riding on the road is for competition. Riding on the road is for leisure also, but it's like... You're competing against another person. Mountain biking is too much like um, it's like a time trial. Yeah, I, I, yeah, we know that you hate a- anything related to time <laughs> trial. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, it's it's better than a time trial, but still. It's like cross is like yeah. the perfect blend of both. It's like you can't really ride a cross course as much as you can ride down bike trails, right? Like right, like yeah, cross yeah. course is fun when you're racing on it. Gotcha. Are you um, are you still going to race cross this fall? Uh, a little bit. I'm going to do uh, Charm City when I get back. The weekend after I get back, I've got to yep. build a bike for it. Um, <laughs> but I've got all the shit in my house. And then I'm going to take like October off, and then do November and international. Like do three race weekends and then national. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, because like Connecticut's pretty close for you. Yeah, and all the race like I, the, there's two weekends in Massachusetts, then North Carolina, and then national. Yeah, so I'm gonna skip yeah. the World Cup because I don't give a fuck about like I don't want to go to the World Cup and be like competing for like the top 25, right? Like I don't care, and I also need to like take a break. Yeah. So and I don't care about points. So there's really no point in me going to the World Cup, and they're also far away. Are you are you trying to make the world selection? I mean, no, not particularly. Because I okay. probably won't be able to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. If it's in, like, when it was in the U.S., it was a lot easier. But if it's in Europe, it's like a lot of commitment to do something to do the world that I might not. I don't want to say I don't care, but I'm not that like passionate about doing it. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, if it's like, I, I don't know what I'm doing next year yet, so we'll see. Like, you don't have a team for next year? Not yet. What, what, what's wrong with the team that you're on right now? Uh, I, I, I just don't have a contract with any team. I haven't signed anything. What? They're not going to re-sign you? I, they probably will, but we'll see. Do you think Velo News listens to this podcast? <laughs> you never know who's listening, dude. Who, who in uh, what, what country are we popular in? Like Latvia or something? Lithuania? Yeah, we're like the second best sports podcast in yeah. Latvia. <laughs> Dude, we I think we have over 50 nations that listen in now. I'm surprised 50 people are even listening. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, that was a good that was a good rundown of worlds. I don't know if you want to say anything else. The rest of the, the rest of this podcast, we're going to record later, and we're going to talk about Schwam again. What if I want to talk about Schwam again? All right, tell <laughs> us tell us what you want to know about Schwam again, uh, or or what, your what what, what, what what bikes you guys riding? Dude, this is exactly what we're going to talk about later. All right, let's we'll just we talk about let's we'll talk about it now. <laughs> Scott just wants to make fun of you. That's why he's. All right, so I'm on this Scott. <laughs> so Scott, I. Uh, I took my hardtail and I put drop bars oh, on it. You were talking about this. Yeah, that's dumb. Yeah. Did you ride it? <laughs> yeah, felt great. Have a set- I think I'm going to I brought my full suspension as well in case I didn't, you know, with normal mountain bike bars in case I didn't want to do that. Um, but I think I'm going to, I think that's what I'm going to so, do. So here's what I was going to ask you. So if your hardtail didn't have drop bars, would that still be your go-to bike? Or are you mainly yeah. leaning towards it because it's got the drop bars? I'm definitely mainly leaning towards it because it's got the drop bars. I'll be honest, Schwamigan is actually pretty bumpy. It's not like it's rocky or rooty or anything. It's just you're riding on like grassy bumps. And why didn't you put the drop bars on your full suspension? 
Yeah, that's a good question because everybody told me it was a hardtail course. I mean, I don't, I don't think a hardtail. It's just like Leadville, man. I don't think a hardtail is a bad call, but it's also not like an obvious call. You know what I mean? It doesn't seem like any course is an obvious call anymore. Like <laughs> both suspensions are so good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's part of it. Is like it's only a two pound savings with the hardtail these days. So, um. I don't know. Like I was on my hard tail today and there were definitely some times where I was kind of leaning towards running my full suspension and especially it's supposed to dump rain tomorrow. So I think if it rains, like that's not going to make the course bumpier, but it's going to make it sloppier, like, you know, sliding around on some of the chunkier, you know, bumpier rocky sections. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the full suspension would just give a little bit more traction. Yeah. Um, like, I don't really care about the comfort for two hours. Like, it's you can do anything for two hours, but having more traction, I think, would be kind of key. What tires do you run? Um, I'm running 2.2 Continental Race Kings, same tires that I used at Bloodville. So, are you gonna like warm up and shit on your bike with the wide bars so that people don't see you and then like go by? No. Point that you're, at the point that you're warming up, it's well, too I late. Well, I like the day before. What about that? Everyone's on the course. They see no, you. No, they no, run no, to the bike I, shop. I, they buy all the shit to make a drop bar. And then... No, I honestly, I may even do a post about the bike tomorrow. I think I think by the time tomorrow rolls around, it's too late for anyone to make the swap. Yeah, so I don't think uh, Pete Stetna is going to listen to this podcast before... He leaves his garage or whatever, but he posted that he's running a hardtail with a gravel. It's fork. a gra- It's not a hardtail, though. It's a gravel bike. Okay, he's running a gravel bike with mountain bike tires and a gravel fork. So it's only got 30 millimeters of travel. Um, he's going to have a real bad time. And it's also 2.0 tires. Like they're yeah. Doesn't he, like, narrow. suck at riding mountain bikes? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, honestly, I, he's gotten a lot better. So, so there's there's a, there's like a bunch of roadies in the Lifetime series. I will say that he's he's better than a lot of the pure roadies in the Lifetime series. Yeah. All right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's got drop bars. Yeah, it's got drop thought, bars. Yeah, it's a I gravel. You were bike. gonna say it's his gravel bike, but he it's basically his gravel bike, but he put a gravel suspension fork on it and 2.0 mountain bike. I thought tires. you were gonna say he did like the opposite, where he just put flat bars on oh, gravel bike. <laughs> <laughs> the worst of all the world. I was going through my garage the other day and I found a pair of like narrow ass mountain bike bar, like narrow as fuck. Yeah. Like, dude, so, so Keegan, get, get some of those. Dude, so Keegan cut his his mountain bike bars narrower for Leadville so he'd be more aero. Yeah. Like he had like six eighties or something. I'm sure he'll probably run six eighties for Schwamigan too, because there's no Dude, need I, for wide. Bars. I mean, I think like I think like six fifties would be would be cool. I think drop bars is the is but, the coolest. Yeah, I mean like there so when we were riding that road section back when I was taking the KOM, um <laughs> uh I was riding next to Dylan and he was doing like consistently fifty watts less than I was in his drops and i was just in my mountain bike bars there's there's too many variables so me and dylan used to do this shit all the time because his <laughs> bike was so fucking slow we couldn't even ride together <laughs> <Hashtag> <laughs> yeah. niner. 
Um, and then, <laughs> dude, dude, with my with my new road bike, we could totally do endurance rides together. Now that thing is like a solid two miles per hour. Wait, so you're saying that you, you, he couldn't keep up with you because his road bike sucked? Yeah, like he'd have to sit on my wheel because if I wanted to like push the you know push the pedals a little bit, <laughs> keep the chain tight, and because <laughs> his bike was so slow. He'd be doing like 300 watts. Yeah, I was, I was riding my gravel bike with, with like, like gator uh, skins. continental yeah. gator skins. <laughs> and Scott had like a normal road bike with normal road like tires. carbon deep wheels. Yeah. Still had training wheels, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude, okay, so so let me, th- let me throw some stats at you. So I was on Bike Calculator, and... The winning average speed of this race is usually like 18 or 19 miles an hour. At that speed, if you go from the mountain like mountain bike position to drop bar position, it's like a 50 watt savings and if you if you ride 40 miles at that speed in in the mountain bike position versus the drop position, you'll save 13 minutes in the drop position. All right. Well, why don't you do a test and Compare your times with the other lifetime events, like maybe Sea Otter, because that was like a mountain bike race and similar distance, you know, semi similar distance. And see if you finished 13 minutes ahead compared to where you finished with your competitors before. 13 minutes. I don't think I'm going to, I'm not saying I'm going to finish 13 minutes ahead because obviously this isn't a time trial, it's a pack race and tactics are going to play a role. But what I'm saying is when I'm sitting in the pack, I'm going to be saving energy. All right. Let me know how it goes. I'm getting on a plane. (laughs) (laughs) All right, right, man. Good luck. All right. Is it working? Yo. All right. I think we're good. Sweet. Man. Three people, one location. This is pretty sweet. (laughs) (laughs) What's so funny? All right. it's, it's, yeah, you're it's right. Legit. We have a literal round table. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's have you come in just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you can put it there. I don't know if I can put it on. Yeah, yeah, you're good. <laughs> I mean, obviously, Dylan has his stuff everywhere. <laughs> There's just stuff everywhere. So, Dylan, what are we doing right now? What are we doing? Yeah. What are we talking about? Schwamigan? Schwamigan. Did I, I, did I, I just wanted to see if Dylan could get it right. That's all. That's the only reason Are I asked Are you recording that. yet? Yeah, we're recording. Okay, so we're going. Cool. Dylan, I think I'm finally pronouncing it right. Yeah, Dylan was getting so much flack for like... Shukwamagan? Sh- sh- or something, yeah. The first YouTube video that I made about the Lifetime series, I was talking about like the races that were in the series. And I think I pronounced it Shekwamagan. I mean, to be fair, it like doesn't sound anything like it's spelled. So the phonetics are way off. But um, yeah, so we got Melissa in the house. Melissa Rollins. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> uh, why did we bring Melissa on? Because she's the defending champ, of course. Let's go. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. yeah so we're, we're trying to get... I've never done the race. Adam did the race last year. But we're trying to get some insight here. But... What do we need to do to win this race? All right. Um, <laughs> well, you have to go down that finishing shoe in first. That's yeah. Why. I mean, got to be first into the last corner. I can't tell you how, like, from the start mm-hmm. to that point to do it. 
Yeah. But that's all you have you to just do. Gotta, you just got to find your way to the, you know, first into the fi- finishing shoot? Yeah. Okay. That's my advice. So you've done, <laughs> how many times have you been here? This is my, going to be my fourth. So I've done fourth, it okay. three. Okay. Yeah. So for the, for people who aren't familiar with this race, this is a 40 mile mountain bike race. <laughs> and I put that in, I, for, no one can see what I'm doing because it's a podcast, but I put that in, qu- in mountain biking quotes because it's probably the least technical mountain bike race that you ever, you've ever seen because it's just on cross country ski trails pretty much the whole time or gravel. Um, that being said, it, it's, it's not completely obvious that you should use a hardtail. In fact, we've been debating about that the entire time we're here. So Adam, you're thinking full suspension, no, dude, I'm already committed. You're committed to this. I, I already like swapped stems, chain ring, bottle cages. Right. Like I'm not going back now. It took like almost yeah. an hour. So it's not it's not that it's like a a very technical course, but it is bumpy. Yeah, so I think people like misunderstand technical versus like the true reason you need suspension. And like suspension is just to absorb bumps in like the terrain. So just because something isn't technically demanding doesn't mean that you still don't want added suspension. Um, And like part of it too is, so the course is 38 miles and 3,500 feet of climbing. But if you're being honest and you look at it, honestly, about half of that climbing gets taken away because you're like using momentum to get halfway up each of the rollers. So like really there's like 1700 feet of climbing that you're actually pedaling. So like, you're not carrying around that much weight where it's like going to affect like your ability to climb all that much. There is one key climb on course. It's called the fire tower climb that like almost every year it seems to come down to that climb, but still even that it's like three minutes. I I'm not too worried about having an extra pound and a half of weight. I think, I think I'll more than make up for that with extra traction and, and like shock absorption throughout the race. But let's ask, the actual expert here. (laughs) Well, I mean, you've won the race. I have, and I won the race on a full suspension, not saying that that's a perfect bike, but I've done this race three times and only one of the times was on a full suspension. Okay. So, (laughs) and and so in, what are you riding this year? A full suspension. Okay. Do you have a hardtail? I do have a hardtail. Okay. So you had the option, like you could have brought either bike if you wanted to, or, or both if you wanted to. Yeah. And I, so one of the years that I raced on a hardtail, I actually crashed mm. in a, like one of those bumpy sections where there was like momentum going into it. I just didn't see a pothole. And yeah. I think, like you said, like shock absor- absorption is important, especially in stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it might've been rider error, honestly, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and that's, there's a, there's a lot of potholes out there. It's easy yeah. to smash into a pothole, totally. especially totally. with the grass. You can't even see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And like almost all of the ski trail has at least one burned in line. So like the, the tendency for everyone is to like try and filter into that one burned in line. Cause it's definitely like rolls faster. Um, but like in order to move up, that means you have to like deviate off that line. And that's where you're going to have like the rocks and potholes and sticks and all kinds of other stuff. So I do feel like the full suspension adds a little bit more security, like when you do have to deviate off that burned in line and try and make some moves around people. Um, but yeah, I mean, just in general, I think having more traction isn't going to be a, a bad thing on this course. Yeah. yeah. Especially if it rains. 
Yeah, so that's another variable. So last year it was super muddy. Um, this year it's super dry right now, but it's supposed to rain tomorrow. We don't know how much. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's still, you know, it's not 100%. It's like 50 to 70% chance of rain tomorrow. Uh, could just sprinkle or it could downpour like half an inch or something. Yeah. Alexi, who's staying like three rooms down, he keeps thinking that it's going to rain like half an inch or more. <laughs> uh, I don't know when where he's getting his intel, but here. yeah. And like, yeah. And, and from last year, like it wasn't necessarily like the ground, like the grass part of the trails was muddy. It was more so that like the water just pooled and like puddled in areas. So you like inevitably had to ride through mud, um, but it wasn't like the whole course was muddy. Yeah. Um, it's just like certain sections and then like the, you know, some of the gravel roads pool and some of the water and stuff. Um, and then like, yeah, it just, it just gets kind of nasty. Yeah. It's weirdly sandy right now. I've like never yeah. ridden it when it was like, like thick sand. Yeah. So we had a couple corners yesterday that were pretty, pretty thick sand. Um, and like real soft sand too, where like you can easily wash out. There was that one downhill. Yeah. Right after double O. Yeah, we're like like you're coming down, screaming down, yep. and then like into a sand corner. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I kind of was like, hmm, there could be a crash here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which like some rain would would probably help that. You know, I would yeah damp that down a little bit. Yeah. So we were just talking before we started recording. I'm I personally hope that it doesn't rain and that it stays really dry and really fast because I'm kind of hoping that the average speed will be higher for the bike setup that I have. We can get into that in a minute, but like. What are you guys thinking? Would you prefer that it rains or would you prefer that it stays dry? Totally want it to rain. Yeah, I I, I think I would probably prefer it to rain too. I think I'm doing a rain dance right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean I think I think it'll make my chances of doing better increase. Um mm-hmm. yeah. Same. Maybe. I mean it just it it if it rains, then riders with more better technical skills are probably going to be do a little bit better than they would have. And probably riders who have some experience here. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Sure. I mean, with the lifetime grand prix, there are just, there are some straight up roadies here. So for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've seen that we've seen some posts on Instagram and stuff of people doing some wacky stuff with their bikes already. So I think a lot of people are under underestimating just how demanding the course is. It's only 40 miles. It's only four, you know, three thirty five hundred feet of climbing. It, there's a quarter mile of single track total, maybe if that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think everyone's like severely underestimating just like how challenging the course can be once you're at eighteen to twenty miles an hour with you know yeah. forty riders around you and pack dynamics. Yeah, yeah. Should we talk about these weird bike setups? Yeah. So so there's <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can I add something about the girl? Yeah, let's hear it. I've seen them at this race, yep. but I've only ever seen them on the side. <laughs> <laughs> on the start line and on the side of the trail. Yeah, I mean, I I can see that. Yeah. That being said, I think that gravel bikes have come a long way since sure. I, I mean, in the last even year, and I think that they probably could now accommodate maybe the right tires and yeah. I don't know. I would say probably if Keegan rode one, he. Well, I he think, probably I think, went on whatever I think he Keegan, Keegan could ride a trail bike here. He'd probably be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Pete Stetna is going full gravel bike, although he does have a, suspe- a gravel suspension fork 
and he's got 2.1 mountain bike tires, but it is a gravel frame and his suspension fork only has like what? 50 mil travel? 30. 30? Yeah. Does he have a dropper too? No, no dropper. No dropper. So, but, but he does have one huge advantage, I think, and that's road gearing. Yeah. I so think, he's got two by gearing. I think that is an advantage. It's an advantage for the sprint and granted, uh, Pete's sprint isn't that great. So I don't know if it's really going to matter that much, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, even I think, I, I think having more top end gearing won't be bad as long as you also cover the low end gearing. So like him running, you know, road with a 46, 36 front chainring setup. Like if he's got enough gearing in the back, I think that could be an advantage, but you also have to like get to the point where the gearing matters. And there's a lot of hard riding to get to that point because the first 10 miles is all ski trail and it's like pretty bumpy and rough. So like you got to get to that point for it to even matter. Otherwise like road gearing aside, doesn't, it's not going to do anything. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how necessary road gearing is for the majority of the course, but I mean the downhill sprint. It's important, and that could literally be the difference between first and fifth, depending on how big the size of your group is. And and then you know there's some there's some downhill gravel sections that if you're really going for it, you'd be spun out. Yeah. Okay, so we have another funky bike set up in the house right now. <laughs> Dylan's probably looked at his bike 15 times since we started recording this. Like, he's just oogling over his cool bike over there. So yeah. tell us tell us about it. <laughs> so uh, I'm not doing a gravel bike, but I'm, it is a little bit of a hybrid. It's, it's, the, it, it's a hardtail, but and, it, and it's, it's got, you know, regular suspension front fork got a dropper post got regular tire uh mountain bike tires but the bars are drop bars and they're not even like wide flared gravel bars they're 40 centimeter like road bars so (laughs) so here's my here's my thinking and also in order to accommodate these road bars i did have to put a way shorter stem than i would normally run like i normally run a 90 mil stem on my mountain bike and uh, because the reach on the bars, it goes out further than the reach on a mountain bike bar. I think I put a 65 mil stem. So it's like got an enduro stem and a road bar. <laughs> so here's my thinking. I did some, I did some math, did some calculations and the winning average speed of this race is usually 18, 19 miles per hour at that speed. If you go from a mountain bike position to the drops over the course of 40 miles, you'll save 13 minutes because of the aerodynamics. So there's some caveats with that. Um, this isn't a time trial. So this is a pack race. Could be. It could be, it could be a time <laughs> trial if I attack from like mile one, right? <laughs> so so this isn't a time trial. It's a pattern. Or if you if you crash from mile one because you're on drop bars. Sure. <laughs> so so this is a pack race, not a time trial. And also, it's not flat. Like it's not a flat uh, course where you're going to be going a constant 19 miles per hour. It's constantly undulating terrain where you're either going up a climb or going you know down a descent. And it could be argued that both of those. Both of those scenarios, drop bars are not necessarily optimal. So I guess I guess what I'm hoping is that 
you know, I can sit in the pack and preserve, you know, conserve more energy than the people around me by being a little bit more aerodynamic than them. But you don't intend on ever being out there solo and utilizing the arrow I to mean, your advantage that way. I don't think so. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't think I'm. I feel like going for some really early solo break with the level of competition that's here is a dumb move. Uh, I don't think there. I, I don't think there's any way to stay away from Keegan. Um. And I mean, honestly, if I end up solo, it's probably going to be in, you know, off the back, not off the front. So, I mean, if I'm, if I'm off the back and I'm trying to catch on to like, they could, they could be useful. In Still that helps. Yeah. 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 My question is how long have you had that set up and <laughs> how long have you been riding? With it? Yeah. So this is the bike that I rode at Leadville, not with these bars, with normal mountain bike bars. And Pretty soon after I got back from Leadville, I ordered all the stuff. Like I ordered the bar, and I ordered, and I needed. So I've got SRAM, uh, SRAM Eagle drivetrain, and you know you can just run SRAM SRAM Force Axis shifters with the mountain bike drivetrain. So that wasn't an issue. So I ordered all of that, and it was probably so. I've probably been riding this setup for three weeks, two weeks, something like that. Um, I've ridden it on actual technical mountain bike trails and for sure drop bars are slower on a technical mountain bike descent than normal mountain bike handlebars. It's not a question. I was definitely going slower, but there's not really technical mountain bike descents here. Um, yeah, like, so we rode yesterday and I mean, you were holding your own just fine. Like, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that you were losing time on the, any of the descents. Yeah, there's like also, three I can think of, maybe, that are like yeah. Yeah, and, seconds long. <laughs> yeah, and we, we rode one of them. It wasn't like the single track technical descent. Um, we rode one that was, I mean, it was, I mean, technical for like a grass descent. Um, and you're fine. Yeah. Like, so, um, I mean, if you even if you lose, what, five seconds, like, that's not, sure. that's not make or break. Sure. I also kept the dropper post on. Um, mainly because I thought, you know, if I'm losing anything on the downhills, hopefully having a dropper post will help with that. And also that dropper post is so, so light. I mean, it's like 150 grams heavier than the normal seat post that I have. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's the bike. We'll see if that's a good idea or a bad idea by Saturday afternoon. So So the Lifetime Grand Prix is definitely bringing more exposure to this race than it's probably ever had. Uh, but this is still like a legendary Midwest mountain bike race. Right. Uh, you have some history for us. Share, share away. This is going to be the 19th year of, wait. No, it's 30, going to be way uh, 39th. <laughs> I got my mouth wrong. <laughs> the 39th year of the Shalomigan 40. Yeah. So. We have to come back next year for the 40th. That's crazy. The 40 for the 40. Yeah. That's cool. started in 1983. Wow. Yeah. I didn't think about that for a second. Yeah. (laughs) Think about the mountain bikes they had to ride back then. They probably look a little bit like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like super narrow tires. 
Like maybe half of the years. Yeah. Yeah. So for like for any Midwesterners that are out there listening, like you'll know Schwamigan for sure. Like if you're a mountain biker and you're from somewhere in the Midwest, you'll you'll know this race. But a lot of people hadn't heard of Schwamigan. That's why they were calling it Chequa Megan or whatever. Uh when when they first heard about it. And I think I think it's really I, I had not heard of the race until like Yeah. Year. Most people most people haven't. But the crazy thing is like this race sells out every year. And it's probably sold out every year for the last 39 years. I don't know. Yeah, like 4,000 people more than Leadville. Yeah. Isn't it's wild? bigger than Leadville. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it used to be always everyone mass start. Uh, three years ago or two years ago, they separated out the pro race and pushed us to the afternoon. So it used to be the you know everyone started at the beginning together. Pros maybe filtered towards the front. Neutral rollout going into the first like I guess ski trail section which was like this iconic area called Rosie's Hill right Rosie's Field Rosie's Field Rosie's Field getting that wrong um <laughs> this year is different though so instead of doing the neutral rollout where the pros were starting straight into uh, the Berkey Trail how do you think that's going to play out man I'm so curious um did you check out the start I haven't. Yeah. Oh, you haven't ridden the star yet. Tomorrow. Okay. But okay. I mean, if it's Berkey, like I know. It, yeah. Right. So it's like in, in like, if you remember, you know, last year um, you go through Rosie's field, then you like, you know, descend through that like little ditch crossing and then you're straight into like a two minute long, pretty mm-hmm. steep climb. Yeah. Um, so what we're starting on this year, like take that climb and flatten it out like half the grade, but double the distance. So it's like pretty long, but the grade isn't that long. It's probably or the grade isn't that much. It's probably only, I don't know, six percent, maybe seven percent. Like it's not that steep. Um, but the grass is there. There's no groomed in like single track line down the middle. There's no groomed in anything. Um, and the interesting thing is the amateur race is not going to go through that same start. They're they're doing the traditional routes. So they're going on the road and then going so through Rosie's to get like ridden in. It won't get packed in at all. So it's going to be like just a tractor pull going through this field. Yeah. Um, and it's probably going to be, it'll probably be you three minutes. Are ride it in a little bit before we have to. Oh, there's not that many of us, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's going to be much harder from the start yeah. um, or has the potential to be much harder from the start. And, and who knows, like, like last year, um, the first selection was made up that first climb coming out of Rosie's. And then there was like a group of 25 of us or something like that, that pretty much stayed together from then until the fire tower climb. I mean, there was like maybe a little separation at times, but it would always regroup on like the gravel sectors and things like that. Um, so I mean, it was a huge group coming into the fire tower climb, which is like the iconic, uh, four to five minute long, like chunky, Jeep road climb um, that we're like, usually that's where like the winning move goes. Um, but this year, I don't know, like it, ha- I think it has potential to, to kind of splinter much earlier with so like, do you think start position will play a role? I, I think for sure, like position by the top of that first climb coming what out of the gate. Like off the line? I mean, I, I think it's, Oh, it's super wide. Okay. It's wider than any, it's, it's as wide, if not wider than Rosie's. So, I mean, it's, it's like super wide, wider than the rest of the trail for sure. Um, so I think, I think there's plenty of room to like move around through the group and like pass people. Um, but that said, like 
if it is, you know, full gas from the start, like I think it might be, then it's also harder to make up spots when, you know, you're going full gas. Yeah, totally. Could yeah. be chaotic. You said you got away on Rosie's last year. Yeah, with, with one other. So, Which, so that's crazy. So yeah. you got away. In that five minute or whatever you said. It was two minute three. climb after yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Okay, so you so like you know you go through Rosie's, you descend through the ditch, and then that next climb—that's where you're. You the two of you broke away at that point. Yeah. And like when you looked, did you look back at all? Like how how big of a gap did you have at the top of that? Oh, I couldn't even see him. Wow. It was gone. Okay. Yeah. So So, do you think that's going to happen this year? That's it. I think it will. There will probably be some sort of selection. I'm I'm kind of thinking it will be similar to like how it ended in sea otter mm-hmm. okay yeah. i mean similar right because it, it was sort of a technical drag up yeah. the side of the raceway and there was maybe a selection of 15 women mm-hmm. or so but yeah i would i could imagine it it being the same mm. so yeah. yeah so what are you most excited for this year being like I see you're part of the lifetime grand prix. Yeah. Um, like when you saw that Schwamigan was part of the lifetime grand prix series, were you like giddy about that? Like, were you just so stoked that like, if you did get selected, you would get to go to like the home of your like reigning championship. (laughs) Oh yeah. I'm super excited about this. This race is so fun. (laughs) I, so I've never like really done road racing or anything like that. And until this, point when I had done this race in 2019 I'd like done a handful of mountain bike races but they've been like they were like Leadville and Crusher and I'd never (laughs) actually like raced women before until I came here and I was like in a train of like or in a group of like six women and we were rotating and I was like what the heck this is so cool so I feel like I mean if there's a, a mountain bike race that could end up being sort of like a tactical race, it would be this one. Yeah. And I'm excited for that. Cool. So, so that's interesting. You said like your racing background, you're, you've always just done mass start races where it's the men and the women all starting together. Like you didn't come from cross country racing. You didn't come from road racing. So mass start racing is like all, you know, isn't that weird? I'm like a 40 year old man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. That's awesome. (laughs) So I like it. I think it, it plays, I think it's fun. Mm-hmm. That sort of style. Yeah. And I've always liked it. However, I think that there's a lot of other things that can make racing fun too, which is sure. like being with, you know, your competition all the sure. time. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I, we were, we were talking about this earlier, but like, and, and we've talked about this on the podcast, but you're our first female guest. So you're the perfect person to talk about this because every time we talk about this, we're like, well, we should get a female's perspective. <laughs> I don't think I'm the right perspective, though, to have because... Why not? Because I have such a different background than yes, any of the true. other racers do. Because, yeah. of course, you ask... I mean, Leah Davison obviously came out with that article where she talked about that was, like, one of the big things that she didn't like about Grout, which was that right. she didn't know how many women were ahead of her and how many were behind her. She had no idea. Yeah where she is and Sophia has voiced concerns about so but do you, so yeah. like you were you know going back to like some of like the first bike races that you did that you like kind of got introduced to the sport with like did you always come in with the mentality of like you just racing the course then 
Oh, totally. Okay. So I actually, I had that thought actually. Um, so I'm on the feeds high performance team, which is like, mm-hmm. there's it, it's like every, like a bunch of the really prominent people in the grand prix. There's like Cole Patton, yeah, uh, seems like, everyone's on the feed. yeah <laughs> like Sarah Sturm. Anyway, we had like a round table where we were talking about, about Leadville and everyone was like, Oh, this is the position I was in, blah, blah, blah. And when I was doing my race summary of Leadville, I was like, Oh, my time was this compared to last year. And that's not how other people yeah. think about things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I realize. That's yeah. Not how most people in the Grand Prix think of things because they come from other racing backgrounds. Totally. I just, I feel like in some ways I'm like totally different because of that. Yeah. But it's not. So, but let me ask you this though. So the last year though, when you won this race, Mm -hmm. you, you weren't out there trying to like best your time though, right? Like you (laughs) were out there trying to (laughs) beat the other girl that you're in the breakaway with the whole time. Right. And that was like my first experience really being like that. Okay. I think. Mm-hmm. It, and you came out on top. So like, you've got to be somewhat keen on that. That was probably <laughs> my only experience ever really being like that. Yeah. It was crazy, but it was cool. I mean, once you get into that moment, like you're obviously not thinking about anything else. I wasn't looking down at the time being like, Oh my gosh, I'm like five minutes faster. Can you believe it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Cause like I get that. I get asked that quite a bit. Like, uh, like I do a lot of like 50 mile mountain bike races. Um, and I'll get people who ask like, you know, what's your goal time? And I'm like, honestly, I don't really think about the time. Like the only thing that time matters to me is so that I can plan my nutrition. Right. Um, otherwise like I just, whatever the race is doing, like if, if the race is fast that year, then maybe it's going to be three forty-five. If the race is slow that year, then maybe it's going to be four hours. And I know like you were talking earlier, like, you go to every race, like you're going to just race your heart out the whole time. But like, there is some tactics that go into like pacing too. Oh yeah. Like you, you're not going to go harder than you need to just because you want to like go faster for the course. Like, yeah, you, you got to no, play like, it to the race dynamics too. I, I would say the caveat there is that if I'm, you know, if it's a tactical race where I'm trying, you know, like in contention for the win, I mean, I'll play the tactics correctly to win the race. I'm not going to, like trying to get the fastest time that I can. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Unless the fastest time is like also the winning time, but that's different. Like that's winning the sure. race. Yeah. Sure. Well, we were, we were talking about it specifically in relation to Leadville. And I was just like, I was like, yeah, in the last five miles I could have led up and I, you know, maybe I would have gotten the same place. Although there was Nikki Terpster was like breathing down my neck. I could literally see him when I turned around, <laughs> but I, like whether he whether he, he was right there or not, I was gonna empty myself to get to the finish line. You know what I mean? Right. There's no tactics at that point. I'm gonna bury myself. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's and it's different when you're when you find yourself solo too versus when you're in the in the group. But anyway, so like going full circle. So like this is one of the only races. It's the only race in the lifetime Grand Prix. Well, I guess. I guess some of them, like the women have a separate start time technically, but not enough to where you guys have your own race. But this one, I mean, Seattle, we had our own race. You did have your own race there. Okay. So, so in this one is too. So like you guys will start 30 minutes before us and like, 
largely for maybe the exception of a handful of women, you guys will likely be able to play your own race throughout the whole duration of the event. Like maybe some of us will catch some of you guys like that are off the back, but I would hope, or like, you know, hopefully for you guys, you'll, the front group will be able to make it to the line without being affected by the men's group, like coming through you guys. Yeah. I actually was thinking about that yesterday because I mean, you guys are going to be moving super fast and I guess we will be moving a little bit faster too. I think I looked at the time from last year and the difference was maybe 20 minutes. Like the men went 20 minutes faster than the women, but started 30 minutes behind. Okay. So I got to see the sprint for the finish of yeah. the men's race really shortly after I finished. Sure. But it's interesting. Like if, if Keegan really drills it or if the you guys are moving really fast, I think that it, could yeah i mean it could depend on like the motivation of like the lead men's group versus the motivation of the lead women's group yeah like if yeah i mean yeah. if it's cat and mouse yeah right at the end that yeah would be ins- that would be really weird yeah <laughs> but um alexis i was talking to alexis about it and she was like how cool would it be if like everybody comes in together <laughs> like you know it wouldn't i mean yeah that cool. would be chaos <laughs> if the women's and men's like sprint finishes came in together uh that would be a total mess yeah i think that, i don't think that would be cool be at all more of a mess than it would be cool yeah i don't i don't i don't think the coolness factor i mean there might be like one or two good photos that come out of it but i don't think there'd be too many good yeah. stories but so anyway so what is like we were talking about this earlier like what is your general thought about separating the men's and the women's races for these i mean this is a shorter event but like in general like for the off-road racing scene so yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to answer that coming from me because I obviously, even before the Lifetime Grand Prix, loved coming to mass start races. And I like that format. I think that it elevates the women's field. Mm. Like, I don't think that women would ever race that hard if mm. they that's interesting. started alone. Okay. And I think that's cool in some ways. I think that it changes the dynamic of the race in other ways because... So we were talking about this earlier, right? And we were talking about unbound in specific, like in particular, because my unbound started with a crash at mile 10. And so I spent, you know, 190 miles <laughs> basically chasing, <laughs> not saying that I necessarily would have stayed closer to the front, but maybe you never yeah. know. Yeah. So I, and I was thinking that if we hadn't started with the men, then my like pacing like strategy maybe would have been better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I think a lot of women's pacing strategy. Well, well, that's would, true. Okay, I, I don't want to say it would be better; it would be different because the current women's pacing strategy at Unbound is get with a fast group of men mm-hmm. at the beginning. Versus, if you guys had your own start, it would just be it. Uh, you know, get with the front group of women just just stay with the front group of women yeah that's true yeah it's hard because i i find myself doing well at really long races because i pick up people who blow up yeah mm-hmm. like i pick them off the yeah. whole race pretty much like it happens at leadville it happens at unbound and maybe there wouldn't be anybody to pick off yeah but it's possible too that yeah. like um you know like in theory the 
front group of women would also be going a little bit slower. So like, let's say the front group of women is still going, like they're still going really hard relatively their gap to you. Like if you didn't make that front group, cause you decided to like conserve energy in the beginning and have a more consistent pace, you might actually have less gap to close later in the race. That's true. Like you're still going to get no matter what, like the men's race, the women's race, like no, doesn't matter. Like all these races, there's going to be inevitably people that blow up. So, I mean, no matter what, like your strategy or like, you know, just the approach that you take to to racing in general, like being more conservative in the beginning and then pacing yourself evenly, like that is going to be advantageous towards like those people who just go out and push themselves too hard in the beginning. Yeah. I, so I'm thinking about in 2021. So at Leadville, Katerina had like, a mm-hmm. five minute gap on all of the women at mile 20 or something yeah. insane. And she had a colossal blow up and I can't imagine that happening. Had there not been men to motivate her to go fast. Like sure. you know, yeah. she wouldn't have had a five minute gap at mile 20 of a hundred had yeah. there not been men to work with. Yeah. It yeah. just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And like we were talking that. earlier and same thing happened with Alexis this year. Like yeah. She actually made the front. She made not the front group. I wasn't in the front group, but she made the group of guys that I was with and rode with us for probably 20 some miles to the base of Columbine. And she looked super strong. And I was like, Holy cow, this girl is going to like, like obliterate the field today. Like she looked that good. She was super comfortable. She like ripped power line, like was able to hang with us, like through power line, no problem. Um, she was like, she wasn't like taking long poles, but she was pulling through at times. Um, like there were a couple of times even where we were like, Hey, you don't, you know, like take a break, like just sit on the back, but she like would still pull through sometimes. Um, and then like, you know, she ended up in the end blown up pretty hard, unfortunately. Um, you know, but like, she looked so, so fresh that I thought for sure she could hang that. And she probably did too. Like she probably thought she was on like a tear that day. Um, and that's just like, unfortunately, like how it goes with these races, like you always feel good hours zero through three, it's like hours six through nine where you like really need to feel good if you want to like have a good result. Yeah. And that, I just think it'd be so different for you guys if, if you had a different, like if you had your own race to work with, but I do, I do kind of see where you're coming from though, with like the elevation of the women's like performance and, um, in like having the guys to kind of feed off of, to help with that. Um, like that is, that is pretty unique. Cause like, and you'll see that in other sports too, particularly like things like action sports where the men and women, a lot of times are on the same courses and the women are elevating their levels because they're watching the guys take certain lines or like do tricks certain ways or like, you know, pump through sections certain ways and like get more speed. And they're able to like, literally like see like how the men are looking at the course differently. And then like their performance level elevates because of it. And I think the same happens with like cross country mountain biking too. Um, but it's, it's just, it's just different. Like for us, like we don't, we don't have to wonder like how many guys are ahead of us because we can't tell because they're getting like lost in the, you know, the sea of riders. Like for the most part, you know, that anyone up the road is going to be your like field competitors. Yeah. I, I mean, another cool thing that I think comes from a mass start is that there's more respect for how fast women are. Mm. So I'm thinking about 
like the year that Annika Longvad came to Leadville, she went under seven hours and she, I think was like top 10 overall. Yeah. Like that really shows how amazing women can be. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think that the, it sucks. The, women, but- the women's times, the women's times this year at Unbound, uh, like Sophia's time would have beaten the men's times from like five years ago. Right. And, <laughs> yeah. and the mass start, sort of aspect and racing at the same time and on the same Mm -hmm. day sort of in some ways elevates the way that women are perceived, I think in some ways. Yeah. I mean, in, in like kind of going back to like the, the topic of like the pros mixed in with the like age group or mass start amateur field. Um, that is actually something that's super cool. So like most of the amateurs are never going to see the front of the men's race and, Unfortunately, like they never get to actually have that uh, firsthand respect or appreciation for like how fast the front men's group is going because they never see it. But a lot of them will get to see the front women coming through or like the middle women or like the back of the women's like pro women's field. Like you guys blow through a lot of the a lot of the you know mass start field. And I have heard that that like the like a lot of the age groupers gain a lot of appreciation for like how strong the women are. Cause like they'll, they'll, they'll have a, you know, one of the lead women in their group. And then soon enough, like that woman or that woman like breaks away and like mm-hmm. drops the whole group. Yeah. And they're just like, what just happened? You know, like you wouldn't get to see that otherwise. Yeah. So there's that. That, that is a, Yeah. That's a unique useful. perspective. But yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah, because I think in like cross country mountain biking, the women just get, you know, one or two fewer laps and then it's sort of viewed maybe that they're fast, but like the men are this fast, you know? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it seems to me like the women are pretty split on this issue of whether they yeah. should separate it or have a I don't know. Up. I might be the only one that thinks. Really? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think anyone who comes from a, Cross country background really wants yeah. their own start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, the Lifetime Grand Prix sent us a survey about what we would change. I, I was advocating for doing separate amateur and pro races, just, just to kind of not have so much chaos in the first twenty miles and so many crashes. I mean, there were so many crashes this year at Unbound. Insane. It, like, it really was crazy. So I don't know if I, and, and at the same time, like I get that the appeal of unbound is that you get to race with the pros. Um, but I don't know. I, I think I really like what Epic rides was doing where they had, you know, the amateur race on Saturday, the pro race on Sunday, the amateurs could ride the same course and compare their time. But then the next day they could be spectators and watch how fast the pros were. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see like how this series evolves and you know, lifetimes adding more events to their you know overall umbrella. Um like there's this new like rad dirt or something, the rad color in Colorado that they just added um or a couple years ago or something. So it'll be interesting to see like if this series expands as far as like number of riders that are uh like you know accepted or um, invited into the you know the competition, and then also if they expand the number of races or if they how they vary which races are picked for the series, 
Um, cause who knows, like it's super cool that Schwamigan's part of the series this year, but it's very possible that it doesn't get picked, you know, for the series next year, or maybe it is. And then they add in some other races too. But, um, from what it sounds like, there's going to be like three or four like staple events that are there year after year. But then the other two to four or six events are going to kind of rotate around depending on, I, don't, I actually don't know what it depends on. Like if they just want to mix up like the diversity of what the races are, or if there's like certain races that they want to try and attract people to like, now everyone this year is going to be exposed to like how cool of an event Schwamigan is. And like, not that they need more people to come because it sells out. It's like, they obviously can't get more people to come here, but they could attract new people. Maybe like people will come back to Hayward or cable for other parts of the season. We're not even riding any of the cool trails here, but there's like supposedly <laughs> like a hundred miles of trails that are like amazing here. Yeah. Um, when, when you're riding the course, you can see, awesome single track to your right and left and you don't hit any of it yeah yeah i i i described it yesterday i was like this is the kind of course that like if you were driving through and like you were just visiting hayward and you were like oh this is where schwamigan is i'm gonna go check out the course you would be so disappointed that you chose to spend your time riding the course instead of the trails or the even just the roads or something um, like the course is really not that fun to ride solo, but when you throw a group in, it changes everything. Like it is, it is so fun. Like it's such a cool race, um, but you have to do it like at the race time. Like you can't just go ride the course. It's not that cool. Yeah. Agreed. I think Iceman kind of has the same. Yeah. Same situation. Yeah. So like the, the triple crown of the Midwest is Orta Shore, which is in August. Unfortunately, it's always the same weekend as Leadville. Then there's this race, Schwamigan. And then Iceman kind of caps it off. And that's like, if you're from the Midwest and you're a mountain biker, even if you're not a mountain biker, because it does attract a lot of like roadies and cyclocross people and stuff like that. If you're from the Midwest and you're a bike racer, like, you know, the triple crown and you know, like if you win one of those races, like you are a Midwest legend. I learned about the triple crown yesterday. Yeah. (laughs) You're one step closer to being a Midwest legend. Mm. Yeah. Seriously. (laughs) Yeah. Are you doing Iceman? I am not sure. This okay. is a really long season. Yeah, I I'm kind of pissed that you have to have a USA Cycling for, license for that race to do the pro race. Really? I have one. <laughs> for this might why? be the only year that I have one. What do you have it for? For road. Oh, you did do some road racing this year. I did a road race. Okay, year. which road race did you do? I did Valley of the Sun. Okay, I'll like kick off the season. Kicked off the season, and then. So I guess I did two. I did, um, what is it called? Here in Wisconsin. It was... Lacrosse? No. Dairylands? Dairylands. You did some crit racing? Yeah, it was what? my first experience okay. racing. <laughs> what? So why did you Why did you hop onto the road bike this year? So my I'm on 2024, which okay. is like traditionally a road team. Yeah. Pretty much yep. 99% a road team except me. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like the the out outsider on the team <laughs> not really Do, I, are any of your gals coming here we might have some juniors okay but no one on the pro team is going to come here. okay because i know some of the gals like do some mixed surface racing from time to time yeah i mean that was the idea of picking me up was we were in a time of transition where my manager wanted to do some off-road racing and they had been so this was last year they were at Leadville and oh, cool. 
I did lead boat last year when it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> Before it was cool. <laughs> and um, had gotten in the eyes of the director who wanted to expand the off-road racing and I think knew of the Grand Prix. Okay. And wanted me to be on the team. Wanted to have someone representing. Cool. Yeah. So. So the idea of me being on the team. Okay. So you hopped into some road races just to kind of be there with the team then? Like was the yeah, team I mean, at those races? I, like I said, I'm an old man racer and I haven't done anything. So <laughs> I, like my, my experience racing is like, I've done one pro XCT. I've one, done one like stage race on the road. I've done one stage race of crits on the road. Okay. And, and there, and it's a, it's a uh, pro Conti team, right? Uh, it used to be. Okay. Now it's, well, yeah, I guess so. Cause like, so, so that means you automatically get, to, got to race the elite women's category. I had to race the cat threes at the Valley of the Sun. You did. Okay. Gotcha. And I won it. So you did. Okay. I was able to <laughs> petition myself into the pro race for, for, for Dairylands. Mm-hmm. Okay. How did, how did that go? Oh my gosh. I'm horrible. I'm horrible. I <laughs> It's scary. Oh my gosh. Like, you have to be ballsy to do some of that stuff. I saw a lot of wrecks. Like, yeah. Ooh. In Dairylands, there is some pretty technical courses that are part of that, too. Did you do the whole 10-day series? I did five of them. Okay. Which was a very... Did uh, you get to do the road race that's on the race car track? No. No? Okay. Mm-mm. No. That one's cool. Yeah, I did... I don't even know if it's still part of the series, but it used to be. I mean, it was freaking awesome to be there because, like, I had a... I had one teammate who's from Cuba and she was like, man, she's, she's amazing. She's like winning all of the U S pro cup stuff right now. I have a teammate who was like second at track worlds once one teammate who is like an omnium gold medalist at the Olympics. And there's me. (laughs) (laughs) Never done a current race in my whole life. (laughs) I mean, like my one teammate won every single preem. Wow. And the other teammate like went for every single sprint finish and I, And the way you were the way you're describing your racing style, it doesn't seem like crit racing would suit you at all. Yeah, you can't like you can't sit off the back and then like hope to catch people later in the race. Like, like you're talking about how you're catching people in the last fifty miles of unbound. That doesn't sound like a crit racing. I'm trying to be more well rounded. <laughs> It, it was good for me to experience. I didn't ever get dropped, so I like finished every race, which is good. That's like, I mean, that's honestly pretty solid. I let out yeah. some like I was always like the. I feel like this is the task you give someone that you're not sure is going to be there at the end. You're like, okay, you lead out lap three, or like three to go. Yeah, and then like the next person will take it away, and I always cool. let out like lap three or lap two to go. So you were able to like get yourself positioned where you needed to be at the right yeah. time and stuff. Okay. Yeah. I, cool. was, I was never like in the sprint, but. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's my experience. So, so what is next year looking like? So you obviously in the Grand Prix this year, uh, we're in, what is this? Stage five of the Grand Prix. Um, looking into 2023, what are you, what are your hopes for next year? That's a really Really good question. Okay. Not sure. <laughs> Not sure. I'd love to do the Grand Prix again. I think it's going to happen. I've heard whispers. I'm not 100% sure, but I'd like to do it again. It's been fun. But also, I don't know if there's other things in store for me, too. Yeah. Yeah. 
like on the road? Hopefully not crazy. Okay. <laughs> Just cool. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Because that program is kind of built around like Olympic hopefuls. For track. For yeah. track. Okay. Yeah. Which for me doesn't make sense because I don't live by a track. Sure. <laughs> so. There's no tra- There's no velodromes in Salt Lake City? There's really? like been talk of building one, but I think yeah, that's surprising. one is I mean, nice. how many velodromes are there even in the country? I can think total? of three. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so weird because like when I yeah, like when when I used to live in the front range, like you had Boulder, then there was like I think there's one in Fort Collins, and there's also one in Colorado Springs. Like velodromes were just kind of a thing that all the big cycling towns had. Hmm. Okay. There's a lot of mountain biking. Yeah. Salt Lake. Yeah. So no shortage of that. Did you do Park City point to point? Not this year, but I did it last year. Okay. Did you win? I was second to up. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's like her. I'm just getting this vibe from you that like you're winning lots of bike races. So I just figured it out. I'm ask. always second. Okay. I'm like always just off the podium. Like except no Schwam again, 2021. It's true. All right. Yeah. Well, let's see how <laughs> the race. No one's ever heard of. I won. <laughs> <laughs> well, after this year, pe- people will definitely have heard of this race for sure. That's true. The race that no one's ever heard of, except if you're in the Midwest, and then it's like basically world. And there's a <laughs> yeah. the secret though that no one knew until this year. So it, had a, it has a really good payout, actually. I know it does. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the few lifetime Grand Prix events that has a payout. Right. I think only two or three of them actually have a payout. So. Yeah, can you believe that you have to at Unbound you have to race 200 miles, and if you are end up being the fastest person to race 200 miles, you get no money at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, no. If, hopefully, you have something built into it. Even or, yeah, but even buy. worse, you like your ten thousand dollar bike that you just raced on is probably trashed. Well, this year, yeah, <laughs> yeah. For sure. You just lost a whole bunch of money going to that race. I mean, <laughs> there's side benefits, of course, but. At mile 180 of Unbound, I made my way into fifth, and I was with Ryan Cross, who like does mm-hmm. all the lifetime stuff. And I was like, "Ryan, I'm in the money, but there's no money. There's no money." <laughs> and he's like, "What?" People do people do this for money. <laughs> Sweet. Anything else? I had a listener question, but we can save it for when Scott's here. Okay. Sounds good. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, this is fun. For having you guys. Yeah, I look forward to seeing how things shake out on Saturday. It's crazy. Like we've been here since yesterday, so I keep thinking like the race is like tomorrow, but we still got two more days. Yeah. But by the time people are listening to this, the race will it will be tomorrow. probably already happened. <laughs> I mean, yeah, unless everybody they, will already know what happened. Yeah, we're we're trying to get it out on Friday, but it'll be it out tomorrow. That doesn't leave a lot of time for people. Yeah, so if you're listening, make sure you listen (laughs) before Saturday. (laughs) No spoilers. Yeah. Sweet. Well, thanks, guys. Bye.